0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. I'll be joined as always by Steve Sabrin and Clarky. First, we'll chat with a local Lucknow track and field star, Julianne Stally, who's down in LA looking to score some Olympic points as she tries to train and gather more points to hopefully go to the Summer Olympics soon. We'll chat with her about all the challenges of the pandemic on her season so far. We'll also chat with friend of the show, TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin, on the Jack Eichel situation the New York Rangers debacle, and of course, playoffs right around the corner. Hopefully, it's the Leafs' year for Clarky's sake. We'll also chat with our wagering expert from CoolBet, Pat Gregoire, this week sitting in for Chris Abbott on playoff predictions and some hot bets to make this weekend. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This
1: is MWO Sports.
0: To another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabin and Clarkie as always. And we're very pleased to be joined by a special guest from the area, track and field star Julianne Staley from Lucknow. How are you, Julianne?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. This is exciting.
0: It is exciting. And you're doing exciting things, and we're very stoked to talk about it. Now, you're in California right now, correct? I am.
2: I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah.
0: Oh, LA, big time. That's nice. Now you're down there. You recently competed in a a pretty incredible event down there, a USA uh, track and field event. Um, Tell us first of all, a little bit about yourself, how you got into track and field and the event that you just participated in and did pretty well in.
2: Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start with uh, getting into running, I guess specifically, but Um, Yeah, I just throughout school, I mean, I played all sports growing up, but running was always kind of the thing I was best at. Um, And then kind of going into high school, I started to focus a little bit more, I guess, on cross country and track. And then once I started at university, I went to Queens and uh, that's when it sort of took off. So ever since then, um, it's been almost coming up 10 years. I started in 2012 um, in Kingston. So it's been sort of a steady progression since since then. And, uh, luckily just the season has been coming together, um, in the midst of everything that's going on, but I'm just super grateful to have these opportunities. And, um, it's been really competitive and at times stressful to kind of navigate everything with, with the pandemic, but, um, I don't take these, uh, yeah, these opportunities kind of for granted, but so it's been, um, great. And just being able to come out to California, um, the UCATF Golden Games, um is a pretty high caliber meet it's gold label so there's a lot of points um, for competing at these kind of major competitions um so i was just really lucky to be able to get in and uh yeah it worked out pretty well
3: julianne take us through a typical week like what's your training schedule like like what does it take for for a top-notch athlete to train and to get ready for big events
2: Yeah, it's, it's just been consistently working away. Um, I, I mean, it's been years that I've been kind of putting in the work, but, um, I think it just, all of a sudden it just sort of pieces fit together and it, it, it really just, um, that, that outcome is just years kind of in the making, I Mm -hmm. think, but typically I'm running between 110 to 120 kilometer weeks, um, in races, usually it comes down a little bit, but I, I would say nowhere Really past 130. I've come down in mileage um, actually since I finished at university. And I think I really focus more on the quality than the quantity in terms of training. And I think that's really benefited uh, me at least. So I get more out of intensity in terms of workouts, which typically are Tuesday, Friday. So more of like a tempo threshold session on Tuesdays. Um, Friday is usually something speedy on the track. Um, and then Sunday is typically a long run. So anywhere between 18 to 22 kilometers or so. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the running um, portion of it. And then I, I do um, weight room strength training three times a week um, with that as well, which has been great in terms of um, injury prevention and uh, just being more robust. So.
3: And is that why you went to LA, just the weather, just it's, it's better to train easier to train getting outside.
2: So I'm, I'm here, uh, mostly just for racing, um, right now. So it was just because of the opportunity that came up. Um, so I will be here, uh, coming up this weekend as well. I have another race in Irvine at the sound running track Meet on Saturday. Um, and that will be kind of my last 5,000, um, for sort of this, kind of training block and then I'll take some downtime. Um, and then I'm just in the midst of trying to figure out if it makes most sense to come home, do a quarantine and be back in Ontario. Um, but I'm just waiting to hear whether or not um, our national trials, uh, Olympic trials will be happening in Montreal in June. If those are canceled, then it maybe mo- makes most sense um, to actually stay here. Um, there's a Olympic training set up here in uh, san diego so
4: Hmm. so with the race that you ran most recently and reaching that olympic standard time which is fantastic uh, i believe just over 15 minutes to run that 5000 meters uh, which was almost as fast as ryan drury Uh, (laughs) No, uh, with that, uh, Olympic standard, Julianne, what does that mean for you, uh, and the Olympics and competing internationally?
2: Yeah. So to keep it as simple as possible, but, um, for such an objective sport, it's actually, there's a lot of kind of pieces that come together in order for, to qualify. So every performance, every time that you run gets converted into points. So, Essentially, um, running at big meets and placing high and running fast is what gives you um, most points. Um, And for each event, you need at least three performances in that discipline, 5,000 meter. Um, So those three performances get averaged out into a score, um, which is sort of arbitrary in terms of those those points. Um, But then you get ranked. So in Canada, we'll take three per event. So you just want to make sure you're in that top three um, in terms of positioning. So until June 30th is when that qualification period ends, um, we might have a trials happening in before then and, um, whoever wins the trials goes. Um, so that's auto spot there, but right now we're not sure if it's just going to come down to season performances. So you just you want to put yourself in the best possible position, um, leading up until there. But, um, currently, um, I'm ranked number one so just having that performance and um you definitely can't be complacent um like i'm going to be running another time just to really try and kind of solidify that but it's um it's exciting and no matter what happens i'm just i'm so grateful to have the opportunity and um at this point it's just it's exciting and just being able to run as fast as i've ever as i've ever run is just yeah it's been it's been really fun
0: It is extremely exciting, and there's nothing better than being number one. That's for sure. Uh, We're chatting with Lucknow native Julianne Stolley, who is, of course, a track and field long-distance runner. And uh, you mentioned that you ran at Queen's. You were a five-time All-Canadian. I know you competed at the World University Games as well uh, with a number of different podium finishes in in a lot of the events you ran. Uh, But I know that you're also involved in coaching in the sport now as well. How did that come about, and what inspired you to get involved with that side of it?
2: Yeah, so once I finished at Queens, you only have five years of eligibility uh, running for the university. So naturally, I was I did my master's and then I um, just kind of popped on board with the coaching staff there. Um, then I made the move in 2018 to London and I started my teaching degree at Western. So I just had gotten contact and I was able to uh, to help out with the Mustangs as well for their cross country programs. So. Um, It was pretty informal, but I think it's just, it's something that I'm always um, excited about. It's just that varsity kind of um, environment, just because I had such a great experience myself and looking ahead to kind of my future career and all of that, maybe post running and coaching, I could see is one thing that maybe um, would be a great way to give back and stay involved.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I commend you for doing that. I mean, it's always great when athletes at the stature that you're at are able to lend their knowledge to people. Uh, I also want to talk about this. Uh, I know you're a co-founder of something called the Rerun Shoe Project, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Tell us a little bit about this. What's it all about?
2: Yeah. So sort of my side hustle, but um, back in 2016, a good friend of mine um, and myself, we started this project and essentially just a nonprofit organization. Um, We collect lightly used shoes, uh, which we started first at races. And then we um, have drop-off locations now. So uh, we're actually in Kingston, London and Edmonton. So it's, it's sort of grown. And it's just something I think is important is, you know, as a runner, there's, we go through so many pairs of shoes and um, something that might not be, you know, that we're using still currently for training could be just a great shoe um, for someone else. So we really try to, um, find schools and, um, youth sport organizations that, um, can, can use those donations. So, uh, typically, I mean, all sizes, um, from, from kids and, and adults and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun thing to, to have as well.
3: Julianne, how many pairs of shoes would you go through? And I imagine they're New Balance shoes. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how yeah. many would you go through?
2: Um, I'm kind of averaging almost a pair a month at this point. Um, oh, wow. Usually, yeah, they say between, you know, 400 to maybe 700K per shoe, but I'm usually averaging over 100K a week. So I, I try to go on the, on the, the less side, just, just to be safe in terms of injury and all that. But um, Mm -hmm. luckily I rotate between, you know, trainers and and workout shoes and spikes and stuff too. So it gives them a little bit more life, but um, yeah, I'm very thankful Mm -hmm. Without the sponsorship, it would be, it would definitely be a big cost um, to, Mm -hmm. to, yeah.
3: Steve, maybe that's our problem with squash. We uh, don't change our shoes enough, you know?
4: I can't while still waiting for that uh, uh, support. Hopefully maybe we'll get some shoes in the future.
3: Yeah, New Balance. We're ready for a sponsorship whenever they want to.
4: Yeah, I... <laughs> once we get the squash squash courts open. Um, just an interesting uh, question, uh, Julianne. When you race, do you like get a brand new pair of shoes, or are these shoes that you use for race day broken in? Like, I know we we talk a lot about equipment, and you know, baseball guys like uh, players like their gloves worked in really well. What is it like with shoes?
2: Yeah. Never wear a new pair of shoes on race day. That's never a good idea. I mean, track, you probably would get away with it because spikes are pretty minimalist. So you're not so worried about breaking them in, but, uh, typically, um, I don't work out in spikes often only if I'm doing like kind of a top end speed session. So, um, the spikes that I have for races, it's a carbon plated, um, it's just a lightweight, uh, it's like 800 grams or something like that, but, um, just a super lightweight shoe. Um and luckily New Balance, um, they're not released yet, but they've kind of come up with one of the best um long distance kind of three to five K um, uh, plated spikes. So that's uh that's what I wear. And um usually I would say you probably get a good season out of them, but uh, I guess leading up to big races, it's kind of fun to have a, a fresh pair. And um yeah, it's nice to have kind of clean white shoes when you step on the line.
0: Absolutely. Well, it shows you how much I run. I have shoes that are 10 years old and there's no holes in them. So <laughs> Julianne Stolly from Lucknow, hey, we really appreciate you doing this. Congratulations on all the progress you've made so far this season. Uh, really hopeful that you're able to come back in those Olympic trials in Montreal. Go. I guess we'll see what the next couple of weeks hold up here in Canada. But enjoy the L.A. sunshine. And we really, really appreciate you doing this, Julianne. Thank you so much and best of luck. Thank
2: you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, guys, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports when we come back. NHL playoffs, they start this weekend. My caps are taking on the Bruins. We will talk with our NHL insider, Dave Poulin from TSN, when we come back here on MWO Sports. Brought to you by CoolBet.co.
1: This is MWO Sports.
0: Welcome back to MWO Sports brought to you as always by CoolBet.co, Ryan Drury, still alongside Steve Sabrin and Clarky. And we're very pleased to have our friend of the show back on, our NHL insider from TSN Hockey, Dave Poolin, joins
1: us. Poulin, how are you, man? Doing great, gentlemen. It's uh, It's a beautiful sunny day out there and we're getting ready for playoff hockey. So a lot of good things are happening
0: absolutely very excited for playoffs it's all going to kick off on Saturday with my capitals and the Bruins should be a great series some animosity there let's start with one of the bigger stories in the NHL though this week and and that's Jack Eichel now we'll dig into the Rangers and everything going on there as well but Jack Eichel has kind of stolen the headlines this week in terms of offseason stories Pooley what is going on here I mean Buffalo they have had a tough go of things the last decade plus. They think they've got their franchise cornerstone. He gets injured this year. Now there's all these rumors that him and the organization aren't on the same page. He wants this revolutionary neck surgery. What do you make of this mess with Jack Eichel? And I guess ultimately, is he a Sabre next year?
1: Yeah, there's a lot to work out for a, uh, a first-time general manager without a question and Kevin Adams and and what he has to do and what he has to get straightened out. And the the biggest thing that jumps out at you is the lack of communication that's gone on at all levels. Um, And and you have to start right at the top, right? There's clearly been a lack of communication in the group and the whole, like, let's start with the whole medical thing, you know, dealing with the medical thing, you put your medical team in place and, and they take charge And, you know, that's what happens. I mean, managers, coaches, they don't get involved in medical things. They simply don't. They let their medical professionals handle it. And it doesn't sound like it was handled very well. And, you know, arguably by both sides. And communication broke down somewhere along the way and wasn't clear. And is it irreparable now? It it seems to be, although it never is, right? It's, you can always go back, but it does seem to be in a really, really tough position now. And if the player is deigned that he wants out, then that will dictate what happens. And, you know, you, you don't want to bring an unhappy player back there. But then again, the player doesn't get to call the shots. <laughs> Either, you know, he simply does it. He's under contract. He's under long-term contact. He's handsomely paid. And, you know, I, I I know Don Granada well. I think he's a really good coach. I've known him for a long time. Um, whether he gets a shot, and it looked like he got things leveled out a little bit in there when he got in there. But um, I went back through the last, you know, eight or nine years. They've drafted really high and, and they don't have a lot to show for it. They simply don't. Mm-hmm. And when I say high, I mean, I think the lowest they got was eight and, you know, and everything is upwards of there, which is amazing. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And, and think about it. And, you know, it, you think, well, they're, they're getting things worked out and they're going in the right direction. And and if you're Jack Eichel and you're taking number two and then you watch the players taken around you and the players taken in subsequent years and the ones that were taken just north of the border, you know, at number four and number one in subsequent years, and then you watch what happens with the Leafs and where the Leafs are now. And you could argue that, that the Sabres were ahead of them at some point in this in this, you know, last six or seven years. And, and they're light years behind them now. And, and that starts all the way through the organization. So, so much work to be done. Um, I, I, it seems like there's enough interest from other teams and there normally is when a superstar becomes available. And it also seems like there's enough young assets to satisfy the Sabers, And, you know, and, and you need only look at you know, the team up the road in Ottawa that traded a superstar a couple of years ago and is continues to do magnificently from that trade, and that's Eric Carlson. And the pieces that they were able to get back and and garner and put into place for their own foundation just keep paying rewards. So it can be done. You can move a superstar. It seems like there's a market there. It seems like there's an appetite for it. So if that's the case and, and you're a new general manager, you may just want to start anew.
3: I want to sort of see if there's any parallels between the Sabre situation and the Ranger situation. You grew up in Mississauga back when the, you know, the Carlton Street cash box there was owned by Harold Ballard. Um, and you see the Pagulas and the Dolans of the worlds now. Do you think? there's something to that and those and the ownership. And, you know, you said straight throughout the organization, but it starts at the top and the ownership is there parallels there and what's going on in New York with the Rangers. I thought they were having a pretty good year, um, but it's all seems like it all blew up.
1: You know, I, I thought they were having a really good year and, and if they don't lose Panarin for those two stretches, mm-hmm. you know, the first one is strange, a reason to lose a, a player as you can possibly have because of a political situation in his own country. Um, and they, they looked to me like they were doing things right. They came out with that letter. Is it now two and a half, three years ago? And, and it looked like they were making all the right moves. It really didn't. And I liked their team and maybe they got ahead of themselves a little bit, but you know how close they were. I mean, you know, if, if, if you're in New York and you don't like what's going on with your team, how's Philly feeling about their team? They're behind them. Um, so that one really surprised me in New York. It really surprised me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the challenge, the dismissal of John Davidson and Jeff Gordon, two pretty good hockey guys who seemingly were doing a very good job, um, to put an inexperienced person in both places. Um, it's going to be, yeah, it'll, it'll be one to watch for sure. And they could be involved in the Eichel sweepstakes for sure. Mm-hmm. You know they've got young assets, and they've got, you know, they've got the cash. They've got young assets. They've got a lot of things in their favor that could could move Eichel in their direction if that's what they choose to do.
4: Mm-hmm. Speaking of players missing time for various reasons, uh, let's jump into the upcoming playoffs. Of course, the Leafs get Freddie Anderson back, who gets the start in Ottawa. Took the loss in overtime. Jack Campbell gets the start, of course. Uh, Friday night against Winnipeg, um, Leafs. How do they look, uh, going into the playoffs from a player
1: standpoint? Hey, let, let's just take it from a goalie standpoint. What do you do if Campbell gets shelled in Winnipeg? What do you what do? You do? What, if he, what, what if he gets, you know, if, if he won't, if he, Winnipeg's playing pretty well right now. Who knows? Yep. And who knows how either team treats the game? Um, Mm-hmm. Overall, the Leafs look really good to me. I mean, they just do. They they seem to have put the pieces in place. They have two goaltenders going in the playoffs now. And, and I think you need two goaltenders in the playoffs. And you look back, yeah, Vasilevsky ran the table and Bennington, I think, ran the table as well. And then in the I don't know, four or five years preceding that, um, Grubauer started, Holpe took over, a couple of goalies each year in Pittsburgh, a couple of goalies in Chicago. Um, so you know, it's really hard. And, and you're also coming off another COVID year, an abbreviated COVID year, um, going into this playoffs. And it's really hard for me to get a barometer on how players are. Like I look at the schedule Montreal dealt with over the last, you know, it was ridiculous how many, what, 19 and 43 or something they dealt with. And so you've got these teams and you don't know where the max is in each one. Um, the Leafs, kind of evaded any real schedule nightmares during the year. They seem pretty fresh. They have two good goalies um, who both seem ready to go, albeit Campbell's not playoff tested. I think we will see Freddie at some point during the playoffs. But the elements they've added, you know, if if the lineup is what I believe it's going to be, it's, uh, it's the best lineup they've gone in the playoffs with with the most elements they've gone in the playoffs with. And the elements to me Say what you want about playoff hockey. Um, The puck drops that first night in the playoffs, and and you're looking around going, What happened? It's different. It's different. It's still different.
3: So tell me, how will your Montreal Canadiens beat the Leafs if they do?
1: They're my Montreal Canadiens, are they? They seem like it when I see you on TV all the time. (laughs) Well, uh, so it's just a
3: little dig. We talked at the beginning of the year, and I think actually, you might have predicted them to finish first in the division, didn't you? Or was uh, it
1: never first. No, Leafs second first. then. Okay, second. Montreal second. Yeah. Okay, fine. And, and, well, then and what I happened? Did, they're 20 points I behind. Did pick the four playoff teams, actually, Clarky in the oh, North. You line. did. You did. Um, <laughs> so I'll stick with that. Uh, okay. So
3: how will Montreal, I'll take the your out of it. How will Montreal beat the Leafs if they're going to do it?
1: I think we have to see what team lines up. You know, are they healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, not only are they missing players, but they're missing critical players. And, you know, if you, if you start with Gallagher and Dan O, and then you move to Weber and say what you want about Weber, he's, he's a critical piece in that team and carry price. And so when you miss four players like that, to start with that's a lot. And so let's see if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a physical series. That's the way they'll play. That's the way they're built to play. A large part of what happens will be in front of both nets, and you know, I mean, Corey Perry, Brennan Gallagher, um, yeah. you know, Josh Anderson in front of the nets and, and in front of your own net. They're arguably as big and physical a defense as you have in the Canadian in the North Division. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're probably Vegas would be the only team I think that's as big and physical as them on defense. And you know, so can can they? make a team pay the price. They went and doubled down on sort of what they had last year by getting Sherrod and, and, you know, Romanov plays a robust game. And so, you know, it, it, it could be a physical series, but the Leafs are so much better suited for that right now. They just are, yeah. you know, Felino and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Thornton. Yeah, he's 41 years old, but that's a big body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and three weeks ago, guys, um, when Galchenyuk was on a terrific role, I thought the playoffs would start with Galchenyuk on the third, on the second line, rather with Tavares and Nylander and Felino on the third line with Kerfoot and Mikheyev. Hmm. And that's the way I thought it would line up. And now Felino will be up, you know, and, and that's adjusted out with Riley Nash coming in the lineup. So, so it looks like Galchenyuk will be the odd man out to start the playoffs and Thornton will be in. I thought Thornton would start if you asked me 3 to 4 weeks ago. I thought Thornton would have started as the 13th forward and would play a lot in the playoffs.
3: And you but, you are the color commentator for the Habs. So like that's what that was
1: sort of my Yeah, and I'm the right? broadcast the panelist for the Leafs. So <laughs> yeah, in one of the hosts of Leafs' blood. So
3: I know. And I boy did my phone did my phone blow up when uh, you were talking about the Hyman injury, but that's that's besides the point. That we don't have oh to get into gosh. that now. I, uh, you, Who does the guy I think he is? I kept getting texts. Pooley, we
1: we know that. We know <laughs> uh, that. I, I
3: said, y- yeah. Alex
1: Adler was not a dirty player. I didn't okay. say it was a dirty play. I said Alex Adler was not a dirty not player. a dirty player. Okay, good. And when okay. you get caught in those, um, and he's not a dirty player. And when you mm-hmm. get caught in those on Twitter. It starts with the Leaf fans roasting you, then the Canucks fans stick up and then they're in a battle and you're just you just sit back and watch. It's got nothing to do with you. Um, oh.
0: we, we know yeah, Twitter's fun just just at
3: that point. Yeah, Twitter's
0: yeah, just, a just a great for society, isn't it? Yeah. Um terrific. And, and and Pooley, we know Clarky likes to drop his own narrative for things, so we'll we'll just sneak by that. Uh, I don't want to be negative Nancy here, Clarkie. I'm sorry, but I have to ask Pooley this. And, and it seems like we ask our hockey experts this every year on the show the last few years. Pooley, you played in the league. You played for a long time. You're a captain of a team. Like You know this game inside and out better than any of us do. Uh, and you know what winning's all about. You know what losing's all about. If the Leafs, and I think we're all on the same page where I, I, they're my favorite to come out of the North in the playoffs. If they don't, God forbid it's in the first round against Montreal, we're going to have to call the ambulance for Clarky. But even if it's in the second round, is are we going to see a similar type of managerial bloodletting like we just saw in New York? Is it just Dubis? Is it Dubis and Shanny? Like if they don't get, into the conference finals this year in their weird setup they have. What does that look like in the off season?
1: I don't think there's change at all. Really? Okay. No, no, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, I think they're a team that's built in a certain manner and, you know, the guys they signed, um, they signed a one year deal, Thornton Simmons, you know, that group. And, I think they, they may tweak some of the core, um, you know, past what they've done in the past. Oh, I don't, I don't think there'd be change in that, in any of those positions. I think, I think Sheldon Keith guys is one of the best coaches in the league and already, and he'll get, he'll get um, a a top five vote from me for the coach of the year. I vote for the coach of the year Hmm. and, and he'll get a top five and and arguably a top three vote from me for coach of the year. That's what I think of, of Sheldon Keith. I think he's managed the situation artfully. Um, I like the way he communicates with his guys, at least from what I see he appears to communicate very well with his guys. And I think he does a good job of managing up as well. You know, he's dealt with what he's de- what he, he's he got the cards he's dealt. And I think he manages it. And this hasn't been easy guys that, the the cat machinations that I've gone on, like even to get Freddie in the game mm-hmm. last night. So I looked at um, cat friendly. And so my method is to screenshot a page. So I'll screenshot a page at a time, and then I'll go back and look at it because there's so many different categories now you got the taxi squad, you got the reserve, you know, you got this, you got that. And then you had the COVID grouping. And so I screenshotted it on Tuesday at like before five o'clock and then five o'clock is the witching hour. And I went back late that night and they had moved five names total to get Freddie Anderson. And people don't realize what they did to get Freddie Anderson in the lineup, you know, and they had to move three, uh, to the Marlies, they had to move someone to the taxi squad. They had to move, I think Nason went to the Marlies. Um,
3: Hyman went on,
1: the Hyman run- went on LTIR yeah. because you could backtrack it,
3: yeah.
0: you
1: know, 24 days and 10 I mean, it was unbelievable. And yeah. and and the reason he played games for the Marlies guys was cap related. It wasn't because they wanted him to play for the Marlies at yeah. all. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, we're going to, you know, ease him into the American league. and That wasn't the case at all because, you know, it was what it was. But Brandon Pritham has done a masterful, masterful job of managing that and just an unbelievable job. And it's been a really tough year and I'm a little surprised they didn't get a little more concession across the board. They got the taxi squad, you Mm -hmm. know, with all the COVID related things, but, and they did have that kind of holding place. I will say where they had, like you could, where Willie Nylander sat for whatever reason for Mm. COVID related stuff without COVID for, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but, but they got through the year. And now cap is out the window and, uh, and, but I don't think, I don't know what went on in New York and, and they say it wasn't related to the release, but uh, I don't know a lot of coincidence. general managers that got fired on May 4th or May 5th or whatever. Exactly. With, you know I mean? It was just so, and I do know some guys in that organization, so I will, you know, be able to mm-hmm. at least learn what, what they do know. Um, but the whole scenario was so strange. I don't see that Ryan at all with the Leafs. I, I think they're still your superstars are still twenty four and twenty three years old. I mean, you know, your mega stars, um, and 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 it looks like you have the right pieces around them, but maybe you don't yet. I mean, we we don't know that yet. Um, T.J. Brody looks like a really right piece. Um, they've got more to Justin Hol than I can possibly imagine. Zach Bogosian had a great year, guys. Yeah, like he wasn't a regular. Like, first of all, he didn't go to Tampa until the trade deadline, and and he wasn't in he wasn't in the lineup all the time, right? Even in the playoffs, he wasn't. Luke Shen was in, and uh, Jan Ruta was in. But boy, oh boy, did he quietly ever have a good year for the Leafs, uh, a really good year. So, so I would say that if that were the case, that I, uh, for me upper management stays totally status quo.
3: And I think uh this is obviously one of the easiest chances they have to get out of the to get into the final four
1: um just because the yeah, alignment. I know there's other top though, teams. Clark,
3: he, I know yeah, but it,
1: I know it's funny you, you wouldn't have said that 3 weeks ago with Winnipeg. You know, you wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. You know 3 or 4 weeks ago you're like yeah, I don't want to see Winnipeg early and you would have said it with Edmonton and now you might be saying yeah, I don't, those two guys look pretty good right now. Yeah. um you know they're good players 97 and uh, 29 and and so yes they are. Yep. you know so yep. Montreal might be the least of your problems and they shouldn't you be. don't know that either though they should be but I know they don't and I hate, I hate when I jinx myself Clark, I, yeah, I know I, I text one year you. buddy one year I think we finished 30 plus points ahead of the Rangers oh yeah and, and it was my first year in the NHL and you know I, I didn't I played two games. And they gave us like forty-page scouting reports the New York mm. Rangers, and I'm looking at them like, oh my god, these guys must be really good. And we got beat three straight, <laughs> and it was crazy. I'm well, like, why are we worried about them? I thought we were really good.
3: And, and, and so, yeah, I was going to say the Leafs don't have to look any further than last year when Montreal played
1: Pittsburgh. Exactly right. And right. and by the way, Toronto played Columbus.
3: Yes, I know, but they were tied in the standings. Montreal was way behind Pittsburgh, so
1: yeah, e- yes. I know. But but I'm saying they I know. were I know. they were nowhere near the team.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, we're gonna see some good hockey in in the other series. What do you think is going to be like one of the uh, toughest series? Like I know Washington and Boston should be a bloodbath, but I'm Ooh. looking at that Tampa Florida series too. That should be fun to watch. Yeah.
1: Tampa Florida is going to be really fun to watch. Really fun. Um, really well coached. Deep. Um, doesn't Florida play about nine different goalies? <laughs> I haven't been called like yet, but I don't know. <laughs> like Spencer Knight, that kid is, that kid is going to be good. I, I'm, he's one of my favorite young goalies as I wa- you know, when I'm doing the off tube for the U 18s and the 17s and stuff, he's been one of the, f- my favorite kids to watch. Um, you know, and then is he's played great for them and, you know, and Bobrovsky is capable of doing whatever. I still like Tampa in that series. Um, I wouldn't want to play the St. Louis blues right now. Hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play St. Louis. They yearly look like they did a couple of years ago to me. Now they're healthy and, you know, and the, pr- the problem is when you go through a year, if you're playing a team like St. Louis, they got low mileage on a couple of their key guys. You know, like Tarasenko's odometer is pretty low, and you know they they got a low mileage, and so, and they've won, mm-hmm. and they've won recently, and so, you know, as good as it te- as I think Colorado and Vegas are, and I, and I think Vegas does come out of that. You know, the team. There's two teams that I would argue that team that people outside of the divisions know nothing about: Minnesota and Carolina. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, you know, I know about Minnesota because in the TSN fantasy pool, I picked Kaprizov. Oh, good and, for and, you! And and nobody—you had to have one rookie, and of course the guys were like laughing at me, like you know, why didn't you take Stutzler or Lafreniere? And I said, we'll be fine. I'll be fine with Kaprizov. And there you go. And, um, but do you really know much about Minnesota? And you you don't. <laughs> very very well coached. Dean Evason's done a great job and. And Carolina, we knew was gonna be good, but we really don't, you know, we don't know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really gonna be fun to watch all the way across the board. Um, it's gonna be, and <laughs> it's just so funny because you can, you know, it, if you said to most people, think of what we've been through in the pandemic, right? think of the last, all the battles we've been through and said, guys, you can change everything in two weeks. If you have two great weeks, you can change the last six months. Ooh, that's pretty tempting. You know, can you be at your best for two weeks and change the whole narrative? Like Montreal goes in last summer thinking they had a pretty good year. They had a terrible year. But they beat Pittsburgh, and they pushed Philly to the max, and all of a sudden everything was looking up in Montreal. And, guys, it's easier to go to the bank. It's easier to go to the dry cleaners in the summer. Like all those things are way easier. And you want a playoff series or two.
3: Especially if you're Montreal and you beat the Leafs, or the Leafs beat Montreal.
1: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> right? absolutely. Like they
3: better the Leafs better not lose the series. This better be the one first round that they
0: yeah, win. Clark- I'm Clark- telling you right now, Clark- Clarky you know, might not make it. Go ahead, Steve.
4: Yeah, it's also going to be interesting too. Once you get past the division playoffs and you get down to the final four, because then you have matches where the teams haven't seen each other this year right. at all, and that's a completely different dynamic and. So like, how do you prepare as a team for teams that you've never seen before?
1: Yeah, it's great. And even the reseeding you know, it doesn't stay West and East, right. You get receded. So mm. um, you don't know what's going to happen at all. I, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. I think And my method of keeping in touch with the other divisions and it's hard um, is I try and talk to somebody each week from the other division mm. and, and share what I know about the North and, and glean whatever they know about you know their respective divisions and so i've I've kept pretty good track of it Mm -hmm. i would say on the whole um and you you know you watch the late night games but the funniest thing about broadcasting this year guys in this in the north is you feel like you have to watch games every single night because you've got the team the next night (laughs) you (laughs) know like oh oh edmonton's playing toronto well i've got Montreal in ottawa but is going a bunch you know like it's like yeah holy yeah. smokes. you know the team's inside out, but you yeah. feel like you so I've watched within the division more than I ever have.
3: And I for sure. and, you know like the, lot, the Leafs last two games, the, the loss in Ottawa and overtime um, and then Friday's game they're, they're big games because the Leafs can vault over Pittsburgh and I think Florida in the standings,
1: which could be big. Right? Like, right. And and so you're saying, okay, what's home ice in the North? Well, it doesn't mean but we anything, don't know. but we don't know what it is anywhere. Right. You know, yeah. cause you know, by the, it, within when you play that team in five weeks or six weeks, their building could be full. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so it's, it's, they're very significant that yeah. Ottawa guys that they're going to be a handful, you know, they're, I don't think Pierre Dorian gets enough credit. Um, and the two man boys, Trent and Troy, right—the coach and the, and the head scout. Um, their coach of Belleville and their head scout for for the decisions they've made, and even decisions they've made like you know in the Carlson deal, taking Josh Norris, who was already drafted by San Jose. And you know they they made some really really good choices and some really good picks, and yeah, some stuff has fallen in their laps, Dutsler fell in their lap, and and but they've done. They've done a really, really good job, and they're going to be a handful. They got some nice, some nice ingredients there.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree, Pule. I like the young goalie there too, Gustafson. I like Colin White. They have got some great pieces to build on moving forward. Geez, if this was an 82 game season, they might knock on the door of the playoffs the way they're playing right now. Uh, you just never know. It's been a crazy year, and the playoffs are just going to be even crazier. And we appreciate hey, our friend Dave Poulin's hey, insight. Go ahead, Clarky.
3: I just want to know when can we see your predictions on tsn when's the big preview show
1: i don't know because the quiz master was oh. throwing some quiz questions at me this morning and i said i'm not answering oh. that quiz question tomorrow night because i'm i'm under secret super special contract for the selection show or the preview show or whatever show i'm yeah. doing I don't even know what yeah. I, I don't even know what i'm doing Clarky. but well we'll um, watch for it and quite frankly i i haven't um i haven't made them yet I haven't made my predictions yet. No, I just wonder I, when the
3: show was. That's all. I was
1: just no, was. I don't even know that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really, okay. I, I'm dead serious. Well, pick As the least. I said, That's there, all I, I can know. tell you. That's it's, um, <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty good chance. I, I can't win that argument either way. I mean, <laughs> I love when I love when people call me a homer for Montreal, a former Boston Bruin, Philadelphia Flyers, Montreal, a Montreal Canadiens homer. Like you know, I my problem is. Um I broadcast the game. I call the game. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I don't. I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't go in with any sense. And maybe that's better that I didn't play for one of the teams. Or I mean, I, I just don't. You know. And I'm, I'm probably. I mean, I think our group is pretty much along those lines. MJ is a strange one, Mike Johnson, because he played for both the Leafs and the Canadians. All the TSN uh,
3: guys are so good. I must say that. I we think have a good group. Terrific. We
1: so, have a good group. We do. do. I'm really, you know, I'm flattered to be a part of it because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really good group. We have a lot of fun. I wish we could see each other more.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, we just don't, we don't get to hang out because we're always crossing paths, going opposite ways. And, and you'd be, you'd laugh, Clark, at, at a lot of times when we're in the studio, and we've got our group and we're prepping for the intermission. And I'll say something. And three seconds later, Ray says it, and, and we, we laugh about it all the time, right? <laughs> the producer like me go. It, it, are we mic'd in here or like, you know, yeah. but, uh, but we do have a good group and we're all yeah. different. Um, yeah. we share, we do share information well, but we all prep a little bit differently and we present differently. And I think mm-hmm. that's the good flavor of it. We're, you know, um, we're, we've all got different backgrounds. Like Ray Ferraro and I could not be any more different as people, mm-hmm. you know, he grew up in the West. I'm in the East. He was a major junior player. I was a college player. He was, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a big goal scorer, I was a defensive player. I mean, we're exactly, that. he played for really lousy teams. I played for really good teams. And we're almost exactly the opposite. And yet we arrived in the same place the way we view a game. It's it's pretty cool.
0: Cool. It absolutely is. You guys are the best. And uh, the insight is always top-notch as well from our friend Dave Poulin of TSN Hockey. Pooley, we appreciate this. We're excited for the playoffs and we're excited to uh, keep watching that great work that you do, buddy.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great time, and uh, let's look forward to the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. All right, we'll take one more break here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. When we come back, standing in for our usual wagering expert from CoolBet, Chris Abbott, is our friend Pat Grigoire. coming up next here on MWO Sports.
1: This is MWO
0: Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by Coolbet.co, Ryan Drury, Steve Sabern, and Clarkey. And in the absence of our usual wagering expert from CoolBet, <laughs> we're pleased to be joined by Pat Gregoire, who is going to join us from Coolbet as well. Pat, how are you, buddy?
5: Doing great. Good to be here with you guys. And uh Chris, right now, or I guess it was a little bit earlier today, was on the golf course. So I'm pretty, pretty what? jealous of him right oh. now. Yeah. yeah he's a new He's in Newfoundland, so yeah, uh, everything goes out
4: there. So yeah. very jealous, very jealous. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I almost Robert wish he you hadn't. Uh,
4: when it goes off the cliff,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I almost wish he hadn't have told us that. Now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, spark the mood here, though, with some playoff predictions. Getting underway Saturday, my Capitals and Bruins—they're going to be the first ones to kick off playoff season. I guess we'll start there. Uh, we'll go around the table here and uh, give our quick prediction on winner and games played pat you're the guest
5: we'll start with you bruins or caps how many all right, well, uh, now that I know you're a Capitals fan seeing that hat, it, I, it might change my hit pick here, but no. Mm. No, I, I think the Capitals are going to win here in seven games. I think it's going to be a great series. Yes, everyone's afraid of the big, bad Bruins, but this really isn't the same Bruins team that we're used to. I think it is going to be a good series. Uh, the Washington Capitals are starting to get healthy. I, I think this is going to be battle, but I'll take the Caps at seven.
0: I won't waste any time. I'm also going to take my
3: Caps in seven. What a surprise, Clarky. I'm going to take the Caps in six. I feel if it goes seven, Boston always wins game sevens. As a Leaf fan, that's what I see.
4: But I still think the Caps will win, but in six. Okay, Steve? Yeah, Caps Caps in six. Washington on a good roll. And again, the point about them get, uh, getting healthy, uh, I think they'll be overwhelming.
0: Pittsburgh, New York Islanders. Uh, Pat, let's start with you again. Isles or Penguins?
5: It's a tough one. This one really is tough for me, and the Islanders are a team that's perfectly built for the playoffs. Uh, They grind you, they wear you down, but at the end of the day, I have no way that I'm going to go against Sidney Crosby. This Pittsburgh team just seems like a team of destiny, so it's crazy to say, but I think I'm going to take the pens in six here. All Uh
0: I agree. I have the pens in six. I don't think that the Islanders can stack up with them offensively. I think that their young goalie has taken the reins in Jari and Gino coming back. That's never good news. And if he's healthy, he can really push you over the line. He's that type of player. So I agree. Pens in six. Clarky.
3: Just a gut, but I think it's the Islanders. I think the Islanders will win in six. Sorry, Brian Burke.
0: <laughs> fair <laughs> enough hey barry is a great coach he might be the best coach
4: in the league so you never know uh steve yeah the Trotz effect definitely going to come into play he's been there before for sure um they're going to be hungry but i'm going to go with the pens in seven uh i think pittsburgh's going to shake off a little bit of playoff rust in the start and uh win it in the long stretch there you have it all right
0: clarky let's get right down to it maple leafs Canadians, first time since 1979. You are the resident leaf nut here, so I will let you make the pick first. I'm assuming you'll pick the Leafs?
3: I'm telling you right now, guys, if the Leafs do not win this series, I may <laughs> never appear on this show again. You have my word on
5: that. Yes. Um, I'll give Montreal a game, Leafs in five. Okay, Pat, what are you thinking? Uh, Clarkie and I seem to be on the same page here uh, a little bit. I'm going... With the leaps in five, I, 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 a sweep is just way too hard, and this clip will live on forever. Me being a Leaf fan, if I say leaps in
4: four, I will never lead this down, but I'm going to go <laughs> leaps in five.
0: Absolutely, Steve. What are your
4: thoughts? Uh, leaps in five, um, Toronto's just going to overwhelm them again with their depth. Um, and again, with the playoffs being a different beast, I don't think Montreal will have the gas. I'm going to say Leafs in six. I think Montreal will give them
0: that thorn in the side, but the Leafs are just too good this time around to suffer another upset in the first round. So I'm going to give Montreal two games. I think they'll bug them probably both in overtime. The Leafs will come out of this though. Leafs in six. Let's go over to the Central Division. Carolina, we talked about it with Dave Poulin. They're a sneaky good team that a lot of people hey, don't Wait, give we didn't do Edmonton to. and
3: Winnipeg. Sorry, we didn't do Edmonton and Oh, pardon Winnipeg. me,
0: Edmonton, Winnipeg. Pardon me, Winnipeg. And. Edmonton fans, let's talk about that. I I guess I'll start off the back of my mistake. Give me Edmonton in 7. I think that these two teams match up really well, but I think Mike Smith has a bit of playoff magic left in him and at the end of the day goaltending can do a lot for you. I'm going to take Connor and the boys in 7. Clarkey, what do you think?
3: I'm going to take Connor and the boys too, but Connor Hellebuck. I really mm. think Winnipeg is going to do it. And uh, it'll be a tough, long series, seven games, but I think the Jets are going to win behind Connor Hellebuck. He's the better goalie in the series. I I have a
0: hard
4: time arguing that. Steve, what are your thoughts? Uh, Edmonton in seven. Uh, and Connor McDavid is on a mission, and he's the type of guy like Sidney and Pittsburgh that could put a team on his back and turn out a win. Yeah. He might get like
0: 18 points in six games or something. You never know. Pat, what are your thoughts on jets Oilers?
5: Yeah. This one, I think if you asked me maybe about three weeks ago, I would have said the jets in six or seven, but the way that they've been playing in the last couple of weeks, it really scares me. Yes. They have Connor Hellebuck, who can steal a game, steal a series. Uh, but I think it's going to be just too much to overcome. And I agree. McDavid is on a mission. He finally wants to get that cup. I don't know if he's going to get it, but I do think he's going to get past here in the first round. Oilers and seven.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be a great battle as well. Now let's go to the central Carolina. Let's talk about them. They don't get a lot of love from people, but Rod the bod has the boys rocking down there. They took the division. They're going to take on Nashville. Pat, what are your thoughts here? Canes predators
5: who snuck in. Yeah, exactly. They they snuck in, and you said it. The Canes are, f- for some reason, I guess just because they're the Carolina Hurricanes, they're very, very underrated and going under the radar. I think they make short work here of the Preds. I'm going to say Carolina and four. Wow, the sweep!
0: I'm going to I'm going to jump right on that, and I agree. I think Carolina will sweep Nashville. I just do not think that Nashville stacks up with them well anywhere on the ice especially offensively so I, I i'm gonna call a sweep here as well clarky what do you think ditto yeah i think carolina sweeps in four yep rod the bottle be
4: flexing on the bench steve what are your thoughts a sweep is one of the hardest things to do in professional sports i'm gonna give nashville the one game at home and go with carolina in five
0: All right, let's talk about another series that's going to be a war. Florida-Tampa, the first ever Battle of Florida. Guys, what do you think? Uh, Pat, we'll start with you. Tampa or the
5: Panthers? This one's tough. This one's tough. I think on paper, Tampa Bay is the better team. Uh, But Florida, they have certainly played this team tough. I think this might be outside of maybe the uh, Leafs-Montreal series. I think this might be the most entertaining one. Uh, But with that being said, we saw the... We saw Tampa Bay turn a corner last year. Uh, I think they'll get it done, but I think they're, they're going to be in for a tough one here. Uh, give me the Bolts in seven.
3: I tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be quite a, uh, as we talked, to, we just talked to Dave Poulin, uh, and it's going to be a tough series. I think it's probably going to be one of the toughest series um, of, of the uh, playoffs. You can't go against the champ. In my mind, I'm picking the Lightning in seven.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the Lightning will win in six as I had to dash. My computer is about to die, gentlemen, but we keep the power on on this show. And I think that the Lightning keep the power on as well. I don't know that they'll defend the cup this year. That's tough to do. Not many teams do that. I like the Lightning in six. All right. Now we're just going
3: to assume. Steve hasn't given his prediction. Oh, Steve, go
0: ahead. Please pardon me. (laughs) Quick and easy. Lightning in seven. Lightning in seven. It's going to be awesome. Battle of Florida. I can't believe it's taken this long. We're just going to assume with the West, we're, we're filming this on Thursday. Colorado has one more game left. If they beat LA, which we're just going to assume they do, we're going to give them a cookie here for <laughs> producer Adam. They will technically be first, not Vegas. So assuming that happens and Colorado plays St. Louis, let's pick a winner there. Pat, we'll start with you. Abs
5: or the blues. I think Colorado is definitely the better team on paper. I think the Blues have some experience from the run a couple of years ago, but it's not quite the exact same team. Goaltending is not the same goaltending, the same Bennington that we've seen. Uh, But I do think they'll maybe be able to squeak a game or two out. So give me the abs in, let's go with five. Okay, interesting. Making uh, producer Adam
0: very happy. Clarkie, are you going to do the same?
3: Nope. (laughs) <laughs> um And, and uh, you know, Pooley really put the tweak in my ear when he talked about not wanting to play St. Louis. They are a tough team, and uh, I just, you know, like Adam and I have been battling a little bit, and then Adam's wife got involved on Twitter. So just That's because right. of all that, I'm going to pick St.
4: Louis in six. Okay, Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the St. Louis factor, you know, I look at them like... Pittsburgh, a team that had a rough ride last year, a little bit of a lunch bag letdown, but now seems to be just the team going about its business, not being too flashy, uh, but will really get to work now that the playoffs start. And from the Bennington situation, one of those guys that can all of a sudden flip a switch and steal one or two, I'm going to go with St. Louis in seven.
0: Interesting. I like the avalanche a lot. I think they have such a dynamic blue line, maybe the most dynamic blue line in the league. And uh, by the way, they've got some kid there named Nate McKinnon who can just scream up the ice like a torpedo and go bar south. I don't care if it's Bennington or Dominic Hasek in there. Nate McKinnon can make guys look silly. Give me the abs in six. Uh, St. Louis will give him a test. I like the abs in six. So there you go. Producer Adam. That would leave Vegas against Minnesota, a scrappy young team who I don't think a lot of people had making the playoffs. I know I certainly didn't, but Kareel is the real deal and he is leading the troops in against the Vegas Golden Knights. Pat, let's start with you again for our final series.
5: For the thrill. I mean, when have you ever said that the Minnesota Wild are an exciting hockey team to watch? <laughs> yeah, never. Never. never, never. But this kid and this team, it's a different Minnesota Wild team. And if they were playing pretty much, oh, I think, any other team in the West, I'd probably take them to win. But I have a lot of faith in this Vegas Golden Knights team. So I'm going to go with the Golden Knights in seven, but it would not surprise me if Minnesota shocks the world and wins.
0: Absolutely. It's one of
5: the more interesting series, I
0: think. Clarky, what are your thoughts here? Wild. Yeah, golden Knights.
3: it is interesting. Like Minnesota is like one of those teams that, oh, they're in the playoffs. But then you look and you see Arizona, LA, San Jose, and Anaheim. And yeah, they're better than all four of those teams, right? So, um, but I just don't think they can stack up against the uh, golden helmet, golden Knights. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick Vegas
4: in six. There you have it. Steve, your thoughts on Knights Wild. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the great stories of the NHL this season. Uh, The list of accomplishments that uh, he's been able to put together and climb up the list in all-time wins. Um, You know, he, to me, he's the guy that always has something to prove because everybody's always naysaying him. So I'm going to go with Golden Knights in six. I like the Golden Knights as
0: well. Mark andre Fleury is one of my favorite players of all time. He passed his boyhood idol, Patrick Waugh of Adams, Colorado Avalanche. In shutouts the other night with 67. Clarky, how about that number? 67, right? Some magic Thank you. there. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> I, I I, like the Golden Knights. I like the Golden Knights in six. Sorry, Kirill. You'll have plenty of opportunities. All right, there's our predictions. Pat, real quick, you got any hot bets for people to get onto this weekend?
5: You know what, uh, obviously with some of the lines not out for the weekend playoff games, but one thing that is up right now is some of our playoff props our head-to-head. So a couple that I do like, and I do apologize, even though I think the Caps are going to win, I do really, really like David Pasternak over five points at plus 130. This is a guy that always you know, comes up in big games. Uh, he's averaging... I think it's, so it's 53 points in 42 career playoff games. If you just look at the numbers there, if you think it's going to be a deep series, if he's going to average about a point a game, well, there you go. If it goes six or seven, your bet cashes. And then the Absolutely. other one that I'll go with, uh, I, I, the other one that I did like, um, which is actually down right now. So instead, I don't know what the number is, but whatever the number is, hammer it. Sidney Crosby goal in their first game in game one. You want to talk about another clutch player, a guy that comes ready to play. I think that we could see a magical run from the Penguins uh, in this playoffs, maybe not to a cup final, but win a couple of series here. And I think it's going to be on the back of the kid. He's getting there up in age. He's not a kid anymore, but I think he's still got a lot left in the tank
0: absolutely he gets it done he's won a couple things here and there i've yeah. heard so yeah not a bad bet pat gregoire we really appreciate this brother from CoolBet sitting in for our usual wagering expert chris abbott but i think he hammered it out of the park brother we
5: appreciate this thank you no problem thanks so much guys
0: All right, guys, that's it for the show this week. Thank you to Julianne Stalley and, of course, our buddy Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey and Pat Gregoire from Cool Bet. You can listen to the show Friday nights at 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca. Unless the Leafs play on a Friday at 7, we will bump back and start at 5.30, lead into Leafs pregame at 6.30 if that's the case. Remember, we carry every single Leafs playoff game, so get ready for that. We also carry Jays games as well when they do not conflict with the Maple Leafs. We're on Whiteman TV, Friday nights at eight, Sunday nights at nine. And we debut on YouTube Friday nights at nine as well. We're on all the best podcast apps. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. I'm Ryan Drury. That is Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin. And for our wagering expert this week, Pat Gregoire, we appreciate you listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you by coolbet.co.